You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 190 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Valerie Koo. How are you going? Uh, good. What's happening in Gina world? <sighs> <It's> <laughs> <Have> to think. <laughs> it was a big sigh there. So it was I've a been big. taking care of big business and uh, okay. I just cal- <laughs> I calibrated. You, you know when you get a bit domestic and you just oh, like yeah. to start doing stuff? Do you? Do mm. you know that? Really? Well, so I do my laundry. You do your laundry? I thought you had yeah, people yeah. to do that. No, no, I like doing my own laundry. I don't like really? other people to do my laundry. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. just an image I that I iron. Start. No, no one does. No. I don't. No. Well, I don't. I just assume yeah. everyone else doesn't. Um, yeah. So by domestic, I mean photographically domestic, and I calibrated oh. my monitor, and I also oh. had my uh, camera sensor cleaned. Because it actually looked oh. like someone had had their lunch on it. <laughs> it was that Yuck. spot. And the reason my sensor gets so dirty is because my lens of choice for probably eighty percent of my shoots is a seventy to two hundred zoom lens, and it's and and I also use a twenty four to one hundred five uh, a lot of the time. It's the mm. zooming action. It sucks dust onto your sensor. Oh. And so and and. You may not notice like if I'm doing a lot of shoots on white, which I might do a lot of, or I'm shooting wide open, you won't see dust uh, on, on on the image. But I did a shoot where I was think shooting at like F16, so closed right down, and uh, 70% of the image was blue sky and there was like a million dust spots on the image, which just took forever to clean. So. Mm. Well, yeah. okay. I I will never think of lenses the same way again. It's a dust sucker. The zoom lenses are, and so yeah. it's important dust that if sucker. you want to minimise the amount of dust on your sensor, t- always turn your camera off when you are changing lenses and, you know, obviously – don't change your lens in the middle of a dust storm or as you're emptying, <laughs> emptying the vacuum in a bag or don't. <laughs> and you can do this yourself. There's kits so that you can clean the sensor and I've never, yeah. ever had the courage to do it because I know – do you uh, – here I go. I hate it when I say it because I know that no one else thinks like this. But Yes. I, do, when you go through a um, – a china shop, you know, where you've got all the glass, you know, like David yes. Jones where all the, the, the yes. glassware and everything is, it takes yes. all of my concentration and power not to run through there with my arms out like a an aeroplane 
and smash everything. So, yeah. So why would you the have that I urge? That, I have that urge to do that when I'm cleaning the sensor. Ooh. I just think that I'll have no control and just sneeze onto it or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. I don't know what that means. It's probably a psychologist listening that goes, yeah, figured. On that note, we're going to give a big shout-out to Snap Happy, who has kindly left us a review on iTunes. And Snap Happy has said, it's all been said before or has it? Hmm. Snap Happy's uh, left a review saying, you may think it's all been said when it comes to photography, but never like this. Gina and Valerie offer the combination of laughs and learn with a fresh, friendly presentation style. There is something for everyone with this pair. First of all, their shared tips and tricks stick. Too often, I almost remember what I should be doing with a camera. Since listening to these close friends, I remember the practical hints and skill tips and benefited from the results every time. Rest assured, you'll finish each session with a smile and full of enthusiasm. A perfect creative combo. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's so cool. Love Thank that. you. Yes. Snap. Happy. Cool. Thank you so Thank much, you. Snap Happy. And if any other listeners have uh, 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, that would be so awesome because it really helps us in the rankings. Now, we also have a shout-out to Eric Ludex because he's done an awesome MacGyver hack, mm. which um, we'll put the photo in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. But why don't you tell us about the MacGyver hack that Eric did? This is probably, I don't know, it's too early to call for MacGyver of the year, but this uh, (laughs) really impressed me. So what Eric has created is he was, um, uh, he's created like a cart. Uh, (laughs) What would that be from? It looks like a golf cart to me. It looks like a golf cart. Yeah, a golf cart that he has MacGyvered to be a like a mobile light stand. So he's got his oh, – they look like Bowen's uh, portable lights there. The, the case is at the bottom as a weight and then he's got the mm. mono uh, extended pole there and his light on an Octobox and his batteries and all these bits and pieces. And so basically when he's shooting on location, he just wheels this up to the model turns it in whatever direction, uh, does his shot, and then wheels it away to the next location. So you're not having to lug the case, the the the, the octobox, the batteries, everything, mm. just brilliant. And the little I Aussie touch. I love this. This is so clever. It's yep. got the, uh, the beer holder. It's got a beer holder. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I love it. You can put a stubby in the beer little holder. Stubby. This is you could so have, good. You, know, you could have a coffee in there if you wanted. So yeah, it'll hold yeah, your coffee or, a, or your mineral water. water. Or you can get uh, wine in cans in Australia. Is that a worldwide thing now? Have you tried that, wine in a can? There's wine in a can? You get wine in a can. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, does that excite you or repulse you? I don't. I'm not. I'm not a snob. Yeah. No, we know I'm that. I'm fine girl. with wine in a can. But, yeah, so you can get wine in a can. So you could put your little can of wine in there, and off you go. So, wow. Eric is looking for a name for this cart. So if anyone's got any clever little names, just post them in the podcast Facebook group. I'd love to hear. Love to hear what you'd suggest. I love I it. It's a, a wheelie, wheelie, wheelie good idea, Val. 
<laughs> yes, of course. And on that note, we're going to move on to our awesome photographer who Gina has interviewed this week. Tell us about Bob Carey. So I have been a, a fan of Bob's work for many, many years now. And um, so imagine what would you do, Val, if uh, mm-hmm. one of your personal projects suddenly went viral overnight? Uh, and that's exactly what happened to Bob Carey. So he's a fine art and commercial photographer and he shoots from the heart and uh, mm-hmm. his images are powerful and meaningful and he's like a successful New York-based photographer and fine art photographer. His uh, work has been um, featured in many galleries as well as doing his commercial work. And he's been mentored by some of the greatest photographers in the world, like Mary Ellen Mark, Albert Watson, mm-hmm. Mark Seliger, Joel yeah. Peter Watkin and Nadiv Kandar. So, like, this guy like comes from great pedigree and Mm. so what happened with Bob is he was uh you know working regularly for some of Americans you know biggest corporations and doing his fine art photographers get photography getting his work seen in galleries living the dream right Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden his whole world was rocked when his wife, Linda, uh, the love of his life, was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, And Bob's no stranger to uh, cancer. He Actually, his mother died of breast cancer. And mm. um, uh, uh, so after, like before his wife was diagnosed and after his mother's death, Bob used his photography as a way of uh, dealing with his grief and expressing his emotions. So he started um, doing these really personal projects which dealt with the grief that he will that, that he shares in this interview. But th- this is the work that caught the eye of the art dealers because mm. it was straight from the heart. And as we've always said, when you shoot uh, in an authentic way and from the heart, it's going to get noticed. So mm. – um, and then uh, that was the catalyst that shooting this stuff after his mother passed for his rise as a photographer. So when his wife Linda was diagnosed, he then went back to that was his way of coping. That's that's what he mm. did to cope with the, uh, the 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 diagnosis. And so he started doing these personal projects. And at mm-hmm. first he did them for himself, and then he started sharing them with his wife to just to cheer her up or give her something to. Uh, distract herself while she was having chemo. Linda started sharing these images with uh, her, the, the the friends, the other patients that, that, that mm-hmm. in the hospital, and they all started to uh, really enjoy them. And then um, something amazing happened, and this interview is all about that story and how his work evolved and developed and he became this worldwide phenomenon and it, he started to uh, use his art to uh, inspire and heal other people. It's an amazing story. His work is brilliant. I have so much respect. So uh, let's uh, let's have a listen. Hey, Bob. Welcome to the show. How are you going? Hi. Good. Uh, Thanks I just for need to ask. Me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, just before Thanks. we start, where in the world are you? I'm uh, in New Jersey mm-hmm. uh, in the United States. I'm about 21 miles from 
New York City. And I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> That's fine. We can work it out. I think it's two, <laughs> two kilometers to a mile, but it, it could be the other way around. I get I get confused by it. But we do, we know New Jersey. <laughs> we know New Jersey because of the Jersey Shore, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. Um, before we get into uh, this interview, I just want to ask, how's Linda going? She's doing great. She's, you know, she's uh, been uh, dealing with metastatic breast cancer for almost 11 years now, but she's doing really good. They're treating it and um, she's doing great. I mean, she is the president of the Carey Foundation and which is our nonprofit and yeah. she works hard every day doing that. So Fantastic. I think it keeps her healthy and alive. That's awesome to hear. That's fantastic. We'll say hello for, for us. Um, so I just want to start um, by saying, so you, you really in your, I think we're about the same age, 50 odd years on this planet, you've, you've uh, really lived a, 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 an, an interesting life. Um, and like, I, when 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 you get like real tragedy in your life there's kind of two ways that people react you can either give up lose hope and fall into sort of self-destructive habits or you can use the challenge to find inner strength and and use that that situation to help others and i think uh you've handled what's happened uh in your life with the latter yeah, I I have um, you know always turned to my art, you yeah. know, and that that happened. Uh, my mom died of metastatic breast mm-hmm. cancer in nineteen eighty nine. I'm sorry to and, hear about that. Well, thank you. And she, you know, uh, and then at that time I was working. Uh, it was after I graduated from college. I graduated in 1985, and she was just uh, dealing with her mastectomy. The actually my graduation day, and then in '89 or in 1988, it, it the cancer came back, mm-hmm. and. Um, she passed away a year later and it was in 1993 Linda and I started our studio and um, uh, I really wasn't using my art uh, to express myself it was more you know it, it was more aimed at a commercial application for photography even though I had an art background I only really went to school or university uh, because my mom wanted me to graduate from college and I didn't have to take a math class so that's what I did (laughs) I really didn't understand art back then I knew that I didn't like art history classes I didn't I mean I had an amazing a really well-known photo historian teacher which I love dearly and I took like eight art history classes but I couldn't stand art history but then what is it about art history that you didn't like 
Well, you just had to memorize stuff, you know. So I, it was I, the way it was taught. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, you know. I still have a hard time memorizing if I like do talks and they, you know, it's like, I just say, Hey, you know, I don't memorize. I, I can do bullet points, but I can't, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, um, but in 1994 or 1993, we started our own studio and I was making some photographs one day and I went into the bathroom and I had a roll of fishing line or monofilament in my hand. And, I just start wrapping my head with monofilament and it looked really interesting, but it also made me very emotional. And so the next day I had my assistant come in and we made photographs of me wrapped in fishing line and it was all black and white. And I started doing that and it was like four years after my mom passed away, but it uh -huh. took that long to start grieving her death, you know? And so, uh, you know, I kind of like just made sure I started my business and she had died, but I just kind of put that on the back burner yeah. and, and I started doing this, that project and using those images as, as far as like promotion for my commercial work, which was, you know, back then it was just like being able to show, your vision and to show art directors and to be able to show people that bought art that you knew how to think and you had yeah. concepts and ideas and, um, and then people, you know, started to respond to the work and how emotional it was. And they, they said they were looking, it was like looking at a mirror wow. into a mirror, you know? And so that work became, um, people started asking me to do, uh, shows and I had a museum show at my university in 1998. So it was like, um, 13 years after I graduated, they asked me to have a solo exhibition in the museum, which, wow. which was up for three months and it was very, you know, well received. And that was all from, you know, my dealing with the death of my mother and it was something that I you know I was so busy back in the 90s that it's it like even working you know a 12 hour day I'd still book to shoot book you know time at night like I'd start I'd start at 7 in the morning and then at 7 at night I'd start shooting my own personal work till 1 in the morning and then I'd come back at 7 again you know and it was because I had to yeah know, it, like, it just had to be said you needed to it, yeah I had to, to do share it. that and so so do you, do you feel like up until that that time that you started doing those images you were probably just numb or you blocked all those feelings away and then here's this way of expressing yourself or leading it out somehow. Yeah, I I think what it, what happened was is when I wrapped my head, it, it was like the initial feeling is that I was being held or I was being nurtured. Oh. But after a few minutes, the pressure of the fishing line cutting in cutting into my skin was painful. Yeah, and it was like, wait a second, you know. And it ended up a lot of the images that I was doing were. Um, it was about, uh, 
it was got really emotional during the shoot. You know, I was ended up crying a lot, you know, and and but it was a release and and it was something I was doing. um, It wasn't I wasn't doing it because somebody asked me. It was something I had to do, like I said, you know, so your art became this form of therapy really it's just like and and so that and that's how kind of or you healed yourself or you you um went through that grief by doing it in in this way yeah and it was a way to work it out you know and yeah i mean it wasn't like i quit seeing my therapist i mean i continued that but (laughs) it was it was just another you know thing that you know when i started photography or when i I started taking pictures in when I was 17. So that would have been 1979 or something like that. Right. And 78. And I was skiing, I was working out, I was, you know, in great shape. And, and then once I found photography and started assisting commercially, then I stopped doing all that stuff because I felt like I had to give everything I had to photography and right. I pretty much stopped doing everything else, which was, you know, kind of sad, I think. But, um, uh, so I kind of lost where I was. <laughs> but then everything went into the photography, I guess. You like in terms yeah, of being able was. to express and yourself and yeah. Uh, all I wanted was like my mom was. It was. It was. It, being raised was all about having my own business and and not working for anybody else. Right. You know, it was like making sure you know be an entrepreneur you know uh, that's what she wanted for me you know and so it was my goal to make sure that i had my own studio yep. and and um so then i noticed that after i started making these photographs that all the education that i had from school, from from my art background, and you know, I have a degree in art, yeah, photography. That I started pulling all this information with <laughs> the art history, you know, to make the work. It was like it was, it was in there. there. It was there. It was, uh, it was uh, there the whole time, and it was like it was so helpful to have, you know, because. <laughs> I knew the art history, I knew the photo history, I knew, you know, but I didn't really look at a lot of other work than that work. Like I didn't really make a habit of going to museums and galleries and, you know, I just kind of stayed in my own little world in my space, you know, I didn't look at it. And you see that in your your work is actually like you look at a a lot of photographers or you see a lot of emerging photographers, even photographers that are established, and you can look at their work and you can see the influence of the photographers that they're inspired by or they're just, you know, straight up copies. And I think when I look at work like that, there is a bit of a disconnect because – 
the photographer that did it the first time around, you know, that's come from a different place to, say, the artist who is just copying because, well, this looks good and it worked for that person, so I'll just apply all these things. There is this disconnect. And um, when I look at your work, I don't really see any other photographer. I just see you. And then I also, uh, even your commercial work, there is this uh, real sensitivity in the way that you photograph. So, you know, you're obviously working from the heart and and that that really does come through in your images. And a lot of your images, like, really move me. And, uh, you know, that's not something you see often. so I think congratulations well, on that. Much. So I think, you know, when you're sitting there, uh, there are – when you say I can't memorize stuff, um, you know, I mean I've got this theory about education that if you – like I can't remember anything I learned in high school – but there are certain things that when the teacher said a certain thing about an artist or anything that I was interested in, that stuff all sticks, you know, it could, oh because it gosh. resonates, right? But totally, then, yeah. yeah. And so I think they've got it wrong with the way they te- – you know, if, the, if you allow people to just um, – let stuff wash over them. The stuff that they need to know or they're interested in will stay with them. And I think like you discovered that when you started doing these images going, hang on a minute, <laughs> all this information's now coming in and I know you, you knew more than you thought you did. Yeah, I mean, and I was, you know, some of those classes I was barely passing, you yeah. know. It's like, but I did pay attention, you know. It's just that I have a hard time, you know, with my grades because I didn't, you know, I I had so much of it though that it did it did rub off and and it did its job, you know. Yeah, and, clearly. Um, all right, so let's let's just go back a little. So we'll just let, let's set the scene um, to how you developed these images for the Tutu project. So there'd be a lot of people that probably look at those images that you created for the project and 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 assume that the uh, the campaign was created um, after your wife Linda was diagnosed uh, with breast cancer, but it's not the case. So it started. No. You started uh, using art as your therapy uh, like very early on and the actual first image um, that sort of started that little uh, idea about the Tutu project also happened long before the diagnosis. So tell us about your your your, your initial studio, your first studio was at Arizona, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so you're there, but then you make the decision like uh, all, all artists, like you wanted more, right? So where did you decide to, 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 well, to pack up and go? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so great. I mean, you know so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's What happened was is uh, uh, one of my friends um, was starting to do workshops in Santa Fe and he had started in 1995 and he invited, well, he invited me to come along with him and we did a workshop with Mary Ellen Mark. Oh, fantastic. Oh my God. He's so lucky. 1996. And so I, 
spent a week with her and met a all week. These, uh, oh my god! Oh yeah, it was wow. amazing. So it was like, so uh, we hang on. I've got to backtrack. What was she like? <laughs> Let me just. Oh, she, was, uh, she was very interesting and eccentric, <laughs> and yeah. uh, she was. Uh, yeah, I mean, she was. She was. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed, her, you know, being around her. And but she was, she was a very interesting person, and <laughs> um, we had a lot of fun, you know. But uh, it, it was, uh, you know, just learning from somebody that. Uh, had had so many experiences. It was, uh, I don't know. She, you know, and th- and then later on, I'd see her when I moved to New York. I'd see her like on the street, or you know, yeah. and she remember me, or oh. like when I was shooting. I was shooting. Uh, you know, we got along very well, and she, you know, I saw her at an event. Uh, a motorcycle builder, his name was Indian Larry, and I saw her because there was a lot of, you know, biker East Coast bikers there, and yeah. a lot of characters, and so we stayed in touch, you know. But uh, I didn't see her that much, but yeah. I just see her like I'd see her at exhibitions, openings, stuff like that. But she was great, and so, but I, but I think a thing about that was opening myself up and I was just, I'm grateful to my friend that, you know, opened my mind to like doing something like that because the people, the people that were coming there, the passion they had for photography was just something I'd had witnessed before or a passion for anything for that matter. You know, it's like their passion for their work or their art was like off the hook, you know? So, um, the next year I did one with – I can't remember what the next year was. It was uh, Mark Seliger and, oh then, my and then Keith Carter <laughs> and then Albert Watson. Oh, my and God. And I did one – during my opening – my show at Arizona State University, I was asked – uh, I was given a scholarship to do uh, a week with, these are all week long too. It was wow. So a, you're li- all week. living together on a, in a, yeah. a in, location yeah, on a, and you got. On a, on a, in a, 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 a Catholic uh, seminary, you wow. know, like we would stay in these rooms where it was just a room with a yeah. desk. And and how many of you a, are there? Well, in the class was anywhere from 15 to 18 people. But uh, the one that I did, I did in 1998, I did a whole week with Joel Peter Wicken. Right. And that was amazing. And and then I did uh, – in 2009, I did Nadav Kander. Oh, my and, God. And so, <laughs> so you've had you know some what? incredible like, mentors. I, I do this just like – because I do, I know all the staff at Santa Fe workshops, and and so for me, it was about like at Santa Fe, New Mexico, where it's at, and this campus. It's on a you know, it's a Catholic uh, uh, monastery. Yeah, and so it's such a special time, you know. Yeah. 
you know, I just remember when I was doing the Mary Ellen Mark workshop, I woke up in the morning and the window was open, but it was like this rainstorm and it was blowing wind through the screen and it woke me up because the mist of the water. So it was just like uh, waking up to the Southwest desert was just like magic. And did, so you and knew so, when you were in it that you were like, you, you were present, you, you knew that this was a special time, right? Oh my God. Yeah, and just even going back there, like, you know, 15 years later was like magic, you know, wow. and meeting these people and spending, you know, uh, when I did the workshop with Albert Watson, it was like going to his slide presentation and it was five hours long, you know, <laughs> he showed 700 slides to, uh, uh, you know, massive attack, you know, the music. And then, and then he said, okay, now we're going to talk about each one separately. Wow. And so that was a five hour, you know, lecture. But, <laughs> but like, you didn't feel like you were back at school bored out of your brain. You would have been oh hanging God. off his every word, no. right? Yeah. No, I, it was like, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> It was like, it was, you know, I, I look at photography like magic, you know, yeah. to me still, no matter what. You I know? agree. When I made my first print, you know, in in college, I, uh, when I, you know, processed the roll of film, that was not, I didn't get to see that happen. I did when I opened the canister, but I didn't see the film in the first place. So, yeah. but when I saw it coming up in the developer, I, I barely put it in the fixer and the wash before I could <laughs> run out the door to buy more paper. Yeah. You know? So it, it was like that to me was what it's all about. And that, the process is what it's all about. You that's know? fantastic. So you've had some incredible mentors. How, how important do you think is finding those mentors um, for photographers um, to, to get I ahead? Think it's, well, to, I think as far as like – I think it's just like a, a, it's an exercise in, you know, what's, a, it's what's available, what you, you, you know, if, if I wouldn't, wasn't doing that, if I didn't go somewhere else to do that, if mm. I didn't move to New York, you know, uh, I wouldn't, you know, like if you stay in one place, you know, like there's this this exercise it's like a pie and it's like there's a little sliver and it's what you know it's like you know how to tie your shoe and then there's another sliver that says you know what you know what you don't know yeah it's like you don't know how to fly this you know a 747 and right. then there's the other the other part of the pie which is like 80 percent of it is you you don't know what you don't know right. and you only get to experience that when you step out of the box, which for me was living in Arizona for 42 years and then selling everything I had and my father telling me I, I was a fool to, was that, to move Was to there New a York. lot of that? Did everyone kind of say, what are you no, doing? Because you probably had an okay business um, in Arizona and you probably could oh, yeah. have had a decent career and retired. I and did. I uh, yeah, did. Yeah. I owned a home. I had a studio. You and know. what was what and then, was it that would drove you to just like what makes a person just say this isn't enough for me? I'm I'm going to really step out of my comfort zone and take well, that risk. I started, 
I started traveling and I started experiencing different things. And I love Arizona. I mean, it's one of my favorite places and I love my friends there. And I, you know, I have so many friends and there and, but just stepping out and, and being around, you know, in New York, there's every, everybody's there, you know, New York, like, you know, New York has, um, the only way I can describe New York is it's, uh, it has a pulse. It's alive. It, yeah. You know, that's how I feel when I'm there. So when, um, and, I, and I need to go back a little bit because there's uh, an important part of the story that we've missed, but like you said, uh, so you, you sell up everything, right? And at this point yeah. you had met Linda? Well, yeah, I mean, so, I'm sorry. We Linda and I met in 1987 and then we got married in 1980. No, we, it was 1986. We met and we got married in two years later, 1988. And then, so we'd been together. She had been my studio manager. Yeah. And you had a good, like you're shooting like commercial, you're a commercial photographer, but you're also doing your art photography as well. Yeah. At the same time, because during that time I was, you know, I was shooting annual reports for like, Teva Sandals and uh, yep. like PetSmart and yep. like mining company, like it was flying around and doing annual reports and portraits and uh, uh, shooting uh, in Arizona. There was a huge surge of like custom car stereo companies like in one town it was like you know in the in the 90s is like who could make the loudest car stereo and and i was shooting like for two of the four companies you know like doing tabletop it was all like four by five beauty shots and then they'd have the consumer electronics show in las vegas every year so november every november december i was shooting car stereo amplifiers and speakers and it's good times too that that era like it's pumping so as a commercial photographer you're you're doing well and then you decide no i'm gonna move to new york (laughs) yeah yeah it's like awesome idea right so it's understandable that your dad would turn around and go you're crazy and probably your friends the whole family the whole family and uh so that would have been a bit tough you know you got no support but that's uh i did have support but not but they're still thinking you're a bit my father yeah yeah. i know and that and that's something that happens a lot i guess uh with because people don't see or they're not you and they're not seeing what you're seeing or they're right. not, you know, maybe that it's that restlessness or that, that that just need to conquer another frontier, I guess. So you pack up, you and Linda, and um, yeah, and head to New York. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I packed a, a big moving truck, you know, like I, you know, it was like we drove it across country with an, yep. ass, with an assistant and my yep. two dogs yep. in, in another – we had another van and yep. we drove it five days across country. And um, the so, so in Arizona, eight months before, I had uh, gotten an assignment to give my interpretation of ballet from a ba- local ballet company named – Valley, Arizona. And so I had a, the tutu made 
And I decided, you know, it's like I was thinking, okay, what's my interpretation of ballet? Well, I had never seen, I only saw one ballet in my life and it was my six-year-old niece. So it wasn't like a real ballet, but so, and I was always photographing myself before. So I said, I might as well just have a tutu made for myself and photograph it, photograph myself with it. And so my stepmother made the tutu. And so on the way out, to New York, I had the tutu in the van and we stopped in Santa Fe and, uh, stayed at, um, my friend who works at the workshop, um, that we stayed close to them or I can't remember where we stayed, but we, um, uh, did the first image there. And then we, we moved to Brooklyn to Greenpoint, Brooklyn 15 years ago before it, got super popular and um so, so, sorry to interrupt we'll just go back to the image that you took so um it, it, it's uh, like how much planning went into that was it just because you do look nice. angry in that image it's just like what what are you thinking what what's the thought behind this image because this is before anything's happened yet with linda so it's like not even so what it is is i'm just thinking about I knew I was in Santa Fe and, and, and my favorite thing to do in Santa Fe is to take my clothes off in the desert, and take pictures. And, and so, <laughs> I mean, you just want to do that. Like you're, Had you done nudes or posed in your underpants in the desert? What were you doing before the tutu came out, like in other images? Oh yeah. Like it just, you know, like when I'd go to, uh, other workshops and stuff, I would just, you know, go get up at five in the morning and I'd go out and do self portraits nude in the desert, you know? <laughs> That was big in art school, though. When yeah, I was at art yeah. school, everybody had a, an exhibition of self-portraits mm, where they were naked, and I was the only one in the photography class that didn't do that because my Sicilian mother and father would have killed me. So, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not posing nude. So I never did. I was the only one that didn't do well, it. So it's an art school thing. I mean, I didn't thing. do that until my mom passed away, and then my dad saw. My dad saw the um, the show in Arizona at the museum after the opening, and then I found out a year later how disappointed he was. Oh. And and he, he then finally he said, you know, I was very disappointed, and I, you know, that I didn't know you were so sad and blah blah blah, you know, and it's wow. like. And he goes, I didn't raise you like that. And I said, well, you sent me to art school, you know. <laughs> so there you go. So look, back to this image. So and, and, and here's where the seed is planted, this, this idea forms. But you've got no idea at this stage that where this little image that was taken on a whim, I guess. So you get out of the car yeah. and you go like. Well, I kind of wanted to document myself going across the country doing right. this because I'd never photographed myself in color and. Um, so is that why you put the tutu on? It's like I'm thinking, well, you know, a pop of color or you just wanted to create something that was perhaps. Well, for me, for me, my imagery was always about transformation and right. identity. You know, it was always about 
identity and transformation. And I would, in my other pictures, I would use transformation. I would use gravity. I'd hang myself upside down by my feet and then photograph my head. And I was overweight, so my head was sag. So you never knew really what was going on there uh, or you couldn't figure it out. Or I tried to make it to where people couldn't really figure out what the transformation was the for me you know what i've started to learn was the pink material changes the context of the conversation around everything it's like a uniform you know you see a fireman yeah you have your own ideas of what a fireman is or a policeman or what a nurse is or a doctor you know but this piece of pink material you know people you know it's like, you know, I have people walk up to me and say, this is not appropriate for kids, you know, <laughs> except I have underwear on and pink shorts on underneath it, <laughs> you know. So here you are in this image and like you've got uh, your uh, kind of a, uh, a dad bod going on. It's a good dad bod and uh, the, the pink tutu and then the um, – you, you left your socks on for this one, which kind of adds to the, uh, the the contrast. And then your hands on hips and quite angry, and you take the shot. So as a, as an image, it's quite powerful. Yeah, the light the is light very wasn't hard. Very good, you know. Oh, it's it was fashion just like, lighting. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, it's hard. Right, it's like a bare tube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like yeah. So. Yeah, it it was like I just want to get on the road, yeah. and you know. So so you take the image and and it, it's put away and stored away. So you get to New York, and I, I I love what you say about how your first impressions of New York. Do you remember what you said about how you felt felt when you arrived in New York? It was like going to the moon without oxygen. Is <laughs> yes, that what I said? Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like. Oh, we need to go to the hardware store. And it's like, that took four hours. You know, <laughs> it's not like running to, you know, the Home Depot here, there's, you know. Yeah, it's there's like, no mall it, with everything. You've got to like work for everything that you want, right? Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and we had a car, and it's like, oh, wait a second. The UPS driver just sideswiped my car, or the landlord <laughs> just backed into the door. It's like, Linda our van was pretty new and nice when we got there and she turned around and said, okay, look at it because it's the last time you'll see it like that. And within five days, my landlord backed into the door. Oh, God. And it's like, so, you, you know, it's just so different, but it, you know, it made you, makes your blood pump and, 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 you know, so I started, um, I kind of sat on these pictures, you know, and what yeah. I yeah. always like to do in the days of Polaroid and contact sheets, I'd cut them up and I would, you know, tape them to a four by five card that came out of four by five film and, and I would put it by my bed and I would just sit on it for a month or a year, whatever. And then, and then something would happen or not, you know, yeah. but do you, do you uh, think, um, do you think, uh, when you initially take the image, cause I know I often have this experience that there, there is a, a kind of a love hate with the image. You, you might, yeah. um, not like it initially for whatever reason, and then you'll put it away and you might find it 
two years later and you're in a different headspace and suddenly you go, hey, hey, hang on a minute, there's something here. Do, do you have that experience with your images? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I do. It's um, What is that? What? Why do you think that happens? And do you think like – because I've got images, the ones that I print and they go up on a wall and I'm looking at them every day – Something it's like I fall in love with them. I, I can't there's there and and not all of them I would say, oh this this is technically uh you know the way I wanted to execute it, but there's something about seeing that image every day that, that you develop a relationship with that image. Whereas yeah. the ones that you take where uh you're looking at them straight away, you don't you don't have that relationship or that history. I, I think it's it, it, it's interesting and it, it and it does affect us as artists in the you know, looking through your images and knowing what's what's right to put out there and what isn't, because you're influenced by whatever emotion, emotional state you are at that particular time. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at two of my images that I made in 1994 and right now, and I still really love them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree, and I think it is time is important to like you distance yourself from those images, and I think also having them out there and seeing them also changes the relationship. Um, all right, so back to New York. You you you're there. You set yourselves up. It's a very exciting time, and then something happened. You get the rug pulled out from under you again. Well, so what yeah, happens? I mean, I, I started, I did make, uh, I did decide to go and make some more of the tutu images. And I went out for a day to Coney Island because I Is knew that before Linda's diagnosis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I did that for a whole day where I, I knew that because I, mean, I really didn't know, you know, where this was going. So I took two friends with me. We it was like a seven-hour day. I had a power pack and a head on a rolling stand that we would just roll around, and then it was shooting film. I had a tripod, and I yeah. had you know, so I could set it up. But I was shooting, you know, flash fill. I had a beauty dish, and I had. You know, and it was at that eighties, early nineties flash where it was quite obvious in the frame, or was it, it no, as in obvious no. the light was that that real look of still too, flash? No, well, it was. It had a direction to it. It did meaning it wasn't like right overhead, and yeah. it wasn't like you know like flash on camera, but it was it was edge lit, so there was texture to it. Yeah, but it was outside and it was kind of backlit. Yeah, and so. But it wasn't super obvious. It yeah. was a fill to where – but it wasn't like that hard, you know, like Terry Richardson stuff. Right. But it was – you know, so no. And and it was an easy place to go where, you know, I was only called a name one time for seven hours, you know. And it was like a bright day and it got really sunburned that day. And – then in the the first of – that was in the summer, first of December, I did, went out with a so, – um, So wait, the Coney Island shots, so before the diagnosis, uh, Linda's yes. diagnosis, how – what 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 did those images look like? Were, were you still – were you small in the frame or were they um, – Yes, more- kind of. I mean I did, did shot some <laughs> vertically, you yeah. know. I shot – but because none of them are vertical and, and then I shot uh, – 
it was all film of course. And it was, um, it was a little different. Like I would never shoot, use flash now, yeah. you know, yeah. cause everything I do is so gorilla. And yeah, it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. like get in, get out. Yeah. So, yeah. so, all right. So you've done a couple more and then what happened? We did, I did one image with a friend in the snow and then, um, that was December 1st and then December 30th, Linda was diagnosed with, uh, stage three breast cancer. And then it, it was like one of those things that, uh, you know, you don't know, you know, before I left, it, you know, had an idea, had ideas how like, okay, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to, you know, all these things could happen. <laughs> you know, it's like, because before I moved to New York, we moved in April and in March I had a, uh, an exhibition in Soho that was when with one other artist, but it was, I had a lot of, I had like 25 pieces in the show. So it was like really a successful show. And it was, so my art career thinking it was going to really be bigger, you know, but it was after nine 11. So it, it was, you know, the work's kind of dark. So it, the way it was received wasn't as positive as it could have been before nine 11. You know? right. So, but, but you know, up, up until Linda's diagnosis, th- things are, are moving along for you. There's a lot happening. Yeah. It's probably an exciting time. Yeah. And then you get the diagnosis. So it, when when a family member's diagnosed with cancer, there's like, and rightly so, there's like this initial outpouring of love and support uh, for the person, yeah. right? And yep. but then uh, the children, the parents, spouse, siblings, friends, co-workers are kind of um, left to cope in their own ways because I guess everyone around the patient is expected to be uh, strong and supportive or step up and become the caregivers. So I think everyone surrounding that person that's uh, initially diagnosed uh, has to grieve in private because even though the person is still with you, there is still a a grieving process because things aren't the same anymore. And so – here you are having experienced uh, – you've gone through this with your mother. Had had your father gotten ill at this point or – No, he, that was 2008. Right. right. Um, so you, you've already, you already um, sort of knew how this could potentially look. So you must have been like shattered. What did you do? What? How, how did you cope? I, uh... Well, I, you know, we had so much support from Arizona and our friends in New York. People were reaching out and, you know, people were getting money together to help Linda with, you know, like different types of massage therapies and, you know, like as time went on after her treatments and then. And so, I, sorry, sorry to cut you off at this point. I just want to um, I just uh, clarify something. In Australia, we've got. Um, Free healthcare for for all Australians. So, um, right, right. and uh, it, it, we're very lucky that if someone is diagnosed with cancer in Australia, uh, all all the therapy, all the treatments, uh, there's no cost to the patient. Right, right. It's not the case in the United States unless you have uh, a very good health insurance. It can be a very costly exercise if someone is diagnosed with cancer. So, did you have 
uh, a good health yeah. plan or were you covered yeah. in yep yeah. Yeah, we, yeah we luckily had insurance but it's very expensive yes and it's super expensive you know the insurance and is expensive and then it would it cover everything every, there's obviously still a lot of out of pocket expenses right and then there's the fact that you, Linda has to stop working you would probably stop working for a time so it it, it, it is uh, not only is it uh, tough it's, but, you know emotionally it's, uh, financially it's also difficult it's very challenging you know to to have health care here and mm. I think that um, it's very expensive and it's something that I wish was different you know mm. and uh, but you know we you know just deal with it and um yeah, I think that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it is another conversation. So, all right. So, yeah. Not that not that I don't want to talk about it. No, but I know, it's but just, it's another. It's, just, it's it a four-hour conversation. You know, I understand. It makes it really hard. Yeah. To you know, I asked Linda about you know, like, do you want to, like, she. You know, as far as, you know, the support we have in Arizona and the friends and love that we have. And but she knew her doctors here were like they're like rock stars, you know, not that they don't have them in Arizona. But I mean, her, you know, when she was diagnosed, she was in a comprehensive cancer center and they told her in 20 minutes, like what her diagnosis was from her biopsy. You know, so it was just like, this is it, you know, and then her breast surgeon was amazing. And she said, no, I'm, you know, my doctors are here. We're not, we're, you know, I'm staying here. Wow. So, so so what happened was, is I, I called a lot of my clients in Arizona and I said, just pretend I still live there. And I had, um, family members in the transportation business <laughs> yeah. and they helped me get back to Arizona a lot. And so, so that's how you like you, so you uh, threw yourself into work basically. And yeah. that's to, not only as uh, I guess, I started going, to I coping, started going back to Arizona necessary. and working and I had just so much support from other photographer friends that they'd let me use their studios. My brother-in-law let me use his vehicle. I stayed at my sister's houses and, and I would work there two weeks and, you know, I come home. I, Linda had, we had a friend in New York that let her, you know, had an amazing loft and let her have her own bedroom, you know, in the West wow. village yeah. and for six weeks to recover. And so it, we just had the best support from friends and family. That's amazing. And things didn't work out. Like, I mean, it was just like, you know, you have to shift gears, you know, yep. you never know. So she recovers and I guess you you try and you, life kind of goes back to normal, right? Or, or as normal as you yeah. can get. And kinda, then, yeah. yeah. And then there's another sort of um, – rug gets pulled out again right yeah we, well so what happened was i kept making these images i'm traveling around yeah. 
and then I'm making the images. And then in 2007, she's uh, re-diagnosed with the cancer had gone to her liver. So it's and metastasized so, to her liver and – Yes. Yeah. And so, so – once it did that, she, she started going back to the cancer center and she started taking my images to the cancer center and showing her friends or the patients and they really liked – it really made them happy or it made them introspective or, you know, it gave them different feelings and it really helped pass the time. So just and, going back to the images again, and sorry to keep interrupting. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I, no, it's fine. Uh, you're t you start – so you've done the Coney Island ones and that's before Linda's diagnosed. But then once the diagnosis happens, you you still – you're working these crazy hours as a commercial photographer, but you're still finding the time to shoot these images of you in the tutu. But now there's it, – it goes back to your art as therapy. So this, again, is your right. way of coping because – you must have been freaking out at this point and like you, you can either freak out and fall apart or do what you do best and then use the art to kind of um, as, as, as your therapy and as a way of um, expressing yourself. So I think the images at this point change and uh, you, uh, like from what I noticed, uh, you're uh, a lot smaller in the frame. There is yeah. – uh, some joy and hope that I see in those images, but there's also that that a real sense of isolation because here you are in this these um, desolate landscapes or, or locations, and you're a, a small figure in the frame, um, and right. often looking up and forward, and that's kind of how you felt. From and the I back. guess yeah, and I guess that's probably uh, a good description of how uh, family members caring with for someone with cancer or even uh, someone who is going through cancer feels like you kind of lost in this this new reality so um, yeah. and and I guess you're doing that like you're keeping yourself as busy as possible and then you start sharing the images with Linda I guess as a way to keep in touch or just to to show her what oh, you're doing uh, yeah well I mean she you know uh, after she healed up, I think she went on a few shoots and, you know, I mean, we worked together. So, but she, when she was recovering, she was always like, you know what, just get, go, just go for a day or go somewhere and yeah. just tell me where you're going. You know, that's like one of those things where if I'm getting, you know, just burned out, I, I just say, I said, I'm going to go somewhere for a couple of days and then I'll call her two hours in and tell her where I'm going or right. the direction I'm going. And so that's just to recenter or reground, just to, like you just need to go and, but you take the camera and, and that's stay busy. The, yes. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. And I'd so, always have my tutu and the tripod and, <laughs> and, but, but you know what, that, it really changed a lot when I started shooting digital cause I could have a remote, yeah. you know, before I'd have to find somebody like I'd use like my 14 year old nephew and yeah. say, okay, do this, you know, and would this. they, and often you, that would be frustrating because no one ever presses the shutter at that exact moment. You're thinking, no, when I had the, there's no direction, I guess. And so when well, you're, you, when you've got the remote, you can control the look of the shot, no, I guess. Totally, but I didn't know that at the time. So it was just kind of fun, you know, yeah. teaching them how to push the button. Like there was like 
I was shooting, you know, two and a quarter so they'd have to like lock the mirror and then shoot the, you know, two different cable releases and then wind the film. And and so, (laughs) and I would lock everything down on the tripod. So they couldn't knock the focus yet. Yes. I said, don't bang anything. (laughs) Don't touch anything other than this button. (laughs) What does this do? (laughs) Okay. So. What happens next? You, you've you've got these images. So, you start sharing them, and yeah. And so, so what happened was, is we were Linda was sharing stories with me about how women would come into the center, and you know, they would have uh, challenges with, uh, you know, rides getting to and from home to the cancer center, and then. Then there was where she would see children at the center while these people were getting their chemotherapy. You know, a lot of the people couldn't afford health care or child care. And so it was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to publish a book and then we're going to give the proceeds to help people with transportation, child care, with whatever the insurance doesn't cover and blah, blah, blah. You know, I always like throw out these big, tall orders and, you know, it's like always going over the top and, you know, and so over the next, um, uh, few years, I, you know, was speaking, I would speak at a friend's class at, um, international center for photography and, and so I start showing the work and telling the story and and I had this guy come up to me at the end of the class and he said – he goes, you know, my wife uh, is uh, – had breast cancer and um, when you're ready to do whatever you're going to do with this um, – project let me know because i'm a producer of the today show which is the nbc yeah, today yeah. show which is kind of big it's here, a big, you know. big deal yeah yeah it's huge and yeah. so he and i became friends over the next three years and started hanging out and you know we'd go out drinking in the city and he um he, he became a good friend and and then over the next four or five years, like I was turned down by every publisher in the country. How many and did you go? How many did you approach? Basically? I don't know. I had a twenty, thirty. I had a probably. I had an agent that was shopping. And, it's such a familiar story. I shopped it around. Everybody said no. Yeah. It's so, like, so, so I had experience with a per, an art historian friend of mine who um helped me with a show my air my museum show that yeah. he told me about this was in nineteen ninety eight where he sent out uh like my images, my art images and offered my images for half price for a sponsorship. And so what we decided to do was to write a um to do it ourselves and to self publish. Right. And so I have a friend that I've known for 29 years who's a graphic designer that uh, that designs uh, art catalogs for museums and art books. And uh, so what we did was Linda wrote a mission statement. We 
sent it out to 1300 of my friends on Facebook that we could get their email addresses from uh-huh. somebody. Uh, so we sent it out on a two on a Monday and then on a Tuesday or it was a Tuesday. And then two days later, we got a call from the New York daily news and they wanted to do an article about the project because yeah. we were, we offered prints for like a, a, a special, like a new edition that I opened just for this. It was like an edition of 10, yeah. 20 by 24 inches. And, and, uh, and then a book for like $500, which is like super reasonable. Yes. And, and so, um, th- what happened was, is they published the, they published the, uh, and then, you know, our friends start buying the, you know, they would start buying the picture images over the next week. And then what happened was, is when the daily news published the article, um, that morning, uh, Yahoo calls and they interviewed me yeah. or Linda and I separately. Yeah. And then they said something about, Oh yeah, we're thinking about, you know, putting it on the homepage. And, you know, like six years ago, I didn't you, know what that going, meant. What's it yet? Do you think, yeah. oh yeah, so, that might be good. A few people might look yeah, at it, two or yeah, three, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, you yeah. know? And so, so I went into Linda's office a couple hours later and I started feeling <laughs> something. I, I started hearing my, my computer dinging off the hook, you know? And then I said, can you go to the Facebook fan page? And it was like, and she saw the little red, circle and it said like I don't know what it said like 17k or something wow. and it's like what does k mean and it's like <laughs> thousand and so after that it was like it exploded wow. you know and people were buying prints I, I mean that day I hired an attorney to um, get our nonprofit license and you know People were calling to be on. We were on live TV two days later, and then I told my friend we were on the Today Show a month later. And when we were on the Today Show, we 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 sold sixty thousand dollars worth of prints in twelve hours. That's fantastic! Wow. And so, so we started this in March, and by August, I had five thousand books in my driveway. Wow! Like pallets and we you know it was like and just the support you know the the you know it wasn't just like photographers you know it was cancer the cancer community yeah you know and the story you know we were on the today show for seven and a half minutes which is like the longest huge you could be on yeah for the president you know yeah so what an amazing story. And so since then you've done TED Talks, you've traveled, like you've done a few shoots overseas as well as, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, We'd love to come to Australia. Yeah, well, the, I'd <laughs> love for that to happen. Um, there's so many yeah. amazing – we've got isolated locations everywhere. You just have to drive five minutes out Forever. of the city and you'd be on oh. your own. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's oh, a yeah, big I country. <laughs> I know it's huge. Uh, yeah. Um, but the uh, 
your foundation, the dollars, um, the, the foundation doesn't fund your your images, right? So you do that through sponsorship, through um, different companies. So you've had different companies right. involved that actually sponsor the photography, so that all the foundation dollars go towards helping the helping uh, the, the cancer patients, right? Yes. Um, so where to next for you? Um. I'm not sure. I mean, we're, you know, I'm working on, uh, you know, we do, we publish calendars and we're still selling prints, but right now I'm, you know, working on, uh, what's next. It's, you know, I want to do another book. Mm. I don't know if it's going to be the same way, you know, it's not, it could be more of a, a, you know, storybook yep. about, could be a children's book. I don't know. <laughs> Kids love it, you know. Yeah, of course. And, and it's, um, but it, you know, we're what we're doing is we're we're sponsored by Bloomingdale's department store, yeah. and they help us, you know, and we we partner with smaller grassroots organizations yep. that do things like we do. And so they're able to, they have people to help vet the people that are applying for grants to get help. And so that's a, a great help for us. And um, it's become so much more than, um, you know, it's not about me or Linda anymore. You know, Linda's always on the phone with people all over the world, you know, with them when they're diagnosed, they want to talk, you know, they feel like, you know, we feel like we know these people and they feel like they know us, you yeah. know, because of the story is pretty much the same. It is. Yeah. You know? So for any of the photographers listening who um, have maybe a cause that they, they want to support with their photography, what advice would you have for them in terms of like how do they start? What would they do? Well, I think like anything else that it's, um, you know, it, it, it really needs to um, – come from the heart, you know, and unfortunately it happens at the, at the cost of the person that's involved, Mm. you know, (laughs) somehow. And so it's like, you know, it could be a a really close family member, you know, a a spouse or, you know, and, and I think that what moves them the most, you know, what, yeah, you know, they, they want to help, they want to do something, but like for me, it's, um, you know, anything we do is, is, and the best things that we do are usually organic and it's, and it's, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't do something because, I mean, you know, it's like if you, you have a project and you go after a project and I, I think it just needs you, you do it because you know, you have to do something and it, it's in you and you have to share that it's like, and it's an organic process, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, and it's like, and it comes from the heart, yes. you know, yep. and it, and, it, and, and your imagery should show somehow whether it's 
happier the challenge or the or it's 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 uplifting through the challenge and the fight of what you're going through you know um but i think that anything that uh, you know doing it because you want it you know, it, it just need, I think it's just the work, you know, it's, yep. it goes back to the work and doing the work and then, and then sitting on it and looking at it. It's not like you're going to do this and then it's going to pop up and it's going to, you know, you know, whether it takes a year or like I've been doing this for 15 years, but mm. at nine years, at nine years, it went viral, yep. you know, but yep. at, at three years, it started growing, yep. you know, when after Linda was redied, it, it was so it was like nur- being nurtured in a strange kind of way. But it, it's about continuing to do the work because I, I don't know how many different locations I've done. Yep. You know, it's been 300 maybe, yeah, but yeah. and they're not eat, you know, they're that's days and days of just, you know. And it's not just me saying, okay, I'm going to go shoot a ballerina picture today. It's because I just so happen to have my stuff with me and I'm doing it, you know, and I have time. So are you doing it commando style like that? Are you just like you've got the kit in the car constantly and you might be driving along and go, oh, is there some planning that happens or a bit of both? I, I usually have the backpack. I have my backpack and I have the tutu and I have pink shorts in there yep. or if I know I'm going out, I put the pink shorts on over my underwear. So, so you're, you're, you're ha- shoot ready. Yeah. And shoot. And I have, I have my tripod and my remotes yep. with me yep. and it's usually the remotes are in, you know, I usually don't always have them with me, but when I know that when I'm going on a trip, I always have the remotes, but I always have a couple pairs of pink shorts and, you know, and um, and I usually have, uh, you know, four pocket wizards with me and extra cords, you know, so. So you're lighting uh, your images now and, um, taking the, no, no, I just shoot, you know, I just have, no, I don't light them at all. I mean, I just, you know, either go for overcast or if it's, uh, even if it's like in the middle of the day, I have to, I, I try to make sure that it's backlit with an edge, you know, like, so there's some kind of texture to it. I don't. And it's one frame. You're not, um, doing any, um, compositing or anything like that. It's just one straight out of camera, like a, an artist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do that. I do. Yeah. But I mean, I do clean things up and, you know, I do, do you get rid of Photoshop and I do, I'm really meticulous about center points and I make sure that my composition has, you know, it used to be for a really long time. You could like put a, you know, the cropper on it and, and just lay it over the registration point lands right in the middle of the, my back yeah. or on the edge of a building. Yeah. So there's always a center point Yeah. now, not as much, but I make sure all my lines, my verticals and horizontals are, are square, you know, so I'm transforming the, you know, if it's not square, I make it square. If I, you know, 
but I never, I'm always there. I'm always in that you, position. And if you've got something like a, a cam ranger or any sort of remote screen, so you can, if you're shooting on your own, do you do it like that or yeah. do you just run back, mark your spot and run back and have a look at the back of yeah. the screen? Is that I how you do back. it? <laughs> and I, yeah, I run back and I look at the monitor or if somebody's there, you know, you I'll have they them can tell go you. out. And I go out and that, I, I, I have them go out into the position and I'm usually shooting with a, you know, uh, it's always like either 24 millimeter or 17 to something, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's wide angle. And yeah. I, I focus, I usually use my autofocus and then I, what do you focus on? The, do you put a stick where you are or yeah, I yeah. can do that. Or I focus on the ground, yep. you know, where I would stand and then I shoot, usually shoot at five, six or eight or 11, depending on, you know, I, I don't shoot at five, six. I should probably shoot at eight a lot. You know, that's, that's safe. Shoot. You've got a fair bit of uh, play it's, there to, to, to misfocus, I guess. Sharp. Yeah. You, but you, but you I, probably I mean, know I, now with it, when you're in focus, you probably feel it. Yeah. You've done so many, right? Yeah. yeah I, I, and I, I, I focus and then I, um, turn the focus, the autofocus off. I I'm blind. I can't. Oh, we're all blind. All photographers are. Is there? Um, are you oblivious to people now seeing you? You probably wouldn't care anymore. It's, you've, you've got that. Uh... Well, I don't. You know, three years ago, I was in Chicago and I was by myself in a park, Millennium Park, at dusk, and I was about four feet from my camera, and some guy jumped out of the bushes and stole my camera and oh. tried. In a hoodie, you know, and oh. I'm like running after him, and I'm like, but I can't run because I have no car with go- in my knee. Oh. And, and, and he and I, all I said was, I have your phone number. And it's like I was in shock because it was about sixty five hundred dollars worth of stuff. Yeah. You know? What uh, what camera do you use? What are you shooting with? Right now, I'm. I mean, uh, like I just did an assignment. The lifestyle stuff I use all Canon, but yep. then for the landscape, I use Nikon. And right. Um, so it just depends on what I'm doing, you know. Is there a and, way you could bolt the camera to the ground somehow, or bolt a weight to it so that it's harder to knock off? Possibly. Mm. I mean, or or put a sandbag on, but it's like I don't want to carry that around. But you know what? I just, you know, what I did in. I was in Canada not too long ago and I told Linda I was going out and she goes, I was in Calgary and I, she goes, just don't, don't do that. Don't, you know, don't, don't do that again, you know, cause it's a pain in the butt trying to collect insurance. Yeah. And, but what I did was I knew I had to get this shot. So, and it was still light and, and it was good. You know, the light was good, but I just waited until I saw some people like tourists that I look like they could, I could trust. And, um, then I start show talking to them yeah, and showing them what I did. And it just so happened that this woman was a breast cancer survivor and her wow. husband was part of the Canadian air force. And they're going, well, we'll help you do it. No problem. Aww. So it was like, you know, I saw other people come by. I said, no, not them, not them, not them. And then I, <laughs> Like three, you know, a man and a woman, and then it looked like her sister was with her. So, you know, I just, I try to, what I love about photography is like the process and the problem solving, you know? Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, Bob, I could. And I don't 
I know. I, we've gone really long and I'm no, sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, I could I actually keep talking to you for another two hours, but like I um, want to be respectful of your time as well. Um, but, you know, we can definitely uh, you pick this up again and because uh, I'd, I'd love to stay in touch and um, hear what sure. you've been doing. So um, how can people donate to the charity if they're, if they're interested? Where, where do well, they need to go? They go to the tutuproject.com and there's way, you know, you can buy prints, you can buy uh, uh, calendars, and, or you could just donate. And the money that we receive goes to help people during their treatments. And um, so it's the tutuproject.com. Fantastic. And they can follow you at, at, at Bob Carey at, uh, on Facebook and uh, yes. and uh, Twitter and Instagram. You're on all yes. of those. I'll put all those links in the show yeah. note. Um, Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. You, you're thank an incredible you. artist and you're an inspiration. And I well, wish you, you and so Linda much. continued health and success for many, many, many years to come. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and I appreciate it. Oh, wow. What an inspiring interview. That's just, uh, it's just fantastic. I know. And his work is so amazing. It makes me smile every time I see it, but it's not just that. His images are so powerful and the way he composes them and puts himself in them. And, you know, it's just proof of like what we keep talking about. When you come from uh, an authentic place, your work, it, it, it has to be noticed because you're speaking the truth and uh, that, you know, that's a way of storytelling. So, yeah, th- thank you, Bob. That was, uh, like, amazing. Um, I'm so inspired. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to find, see more of Bob's work, go to Bob Carey, that's C-A-R-E-Y.com, but also check out the Tutu Project at um, thetutuproject.com where you can uh, buy um, gifts from tutus, T-shirts and so on and all proceeds go to um, the Carey Foundation, which is a not-for-profit for families with breast cancer. So thetutuproject.com. Fantastic. All right. So what's happening with you this week? Okay, so I've got to. I'm about to record the CCs for the Gold Community Val. So I'm going to get mm-hmm. down and uh, um, have a look at all their amazing shots, and I'll probably do a. Uh, I think I've got a couple of tutorials on the go, working with hard light as well, and then I've got. Uh, some more retouching <laughs> to do Never Ending mm. Saga, and yes. uh, I'll probably squeeze in a bit of Unreal into that as well. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> oh, just busy because we've had um, quite a few new team members join in the office. Um, in fact, some members of the Gold community have already become familiar with Franny, who yeah. uh, is busy managing the Gold community. And, of course, it's just such a wonderful group of people because Franny's a, um, a photographer as well. So she's Amazing loving connecting. Yeah, yeah, she's a great photographer and who's obsessed with Crete. Uh, I know. 
I have Greece. to go there. Now that I've seen that, mm. I've got to go there too. Yeah. Have you seen her photos of Crete? I know. They're, they're amazing. amazing. They're amazing. Mm. So she's loving connecting with all of the photographers in the gold community. Um, and if you're interested in checking it out, make sure you go read up all about it at ginamilitia.com and then click on join the community. It's just so many wonderful resources, courses, uh, tutorials, photo critiques, fantastic. And, you know, someone just posted in the other day with a quick question and, and, and we all answered her and she just said, you know, she was so grateful for having such a nurturing community that she can tap into. And, um, if you want to be part of it, make sure you do join it because it's it's just such a wonderful, wonderful, I don't know, I, I keep saying wonderful, but that's because I just love the people who are in it. Anyway, <laughs> I'll stop. Uh, where do we find you online, Gina? So as we said, at GinaMilitia.com, you can find me in the gold community, all social media, I'm at Gina Militia. So do connect and, um, you know, come say hello. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram, and you can connect with either of us on Facebook as well. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 